I wanted to mention this morning, everybody should have received a bulletin when you came into the space, or maybe you're worshiping online, and we just want to encourage you uh, to take time to fill out that tear and share. It's on the back of that bulletin. If you've got time this morning, just to let us know that you're here, any prayers or praises that you may have online, you can check in online. And again, thank you for the ways that you give, whether that's through the app, uh, we've got a box outside in the lobby, whatever that looks like. So again, just thank you for your presence here today, whether again, that's online uh, or in person. So we uh, are continuing in our grounded sermon series and, and Paul writes to the Hebrews and it's a letter of exhortation or encouragement of examination. Am I trusting the word of God or trusting the things of this world? Expectation, promise of things to come and promise of eternal inheritance. And then exaltation and exalting the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, uh, I'm going to share just a short part of uh, the, the, the book of Ephesians, and I am in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And it's a warning to pay attention. A warning to pay attention. Hear these words from Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 5, and I invite you to follow along on the screen. I think we have your attention now. Paul tells us we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I uh, love the ocean. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love the ocean. I love the smell of it. I love the taste of it, the sand, the waves, the sun, right, as it rises and it sets. It's a place of peace and joy, serenity, and for me, oneness with our creator. Uh, this is a, a photo from Holton Beach. It's one of my favorite places in North Carolina. Not sure if you've heard of it, but uh, looking forward to going back this summer. And, and I don't know about you, but when I go to the beach, or when we go to the beach, we set up camp. Are you with me? We set up camp, and we've got our beach chairs, and we've got our umbrella, we've got our cooler, we've got our pool noodles, we've got our toys, and we've got our games. And throughout the day, uh, we make our way into the water, right, to, uh, to, to cool off, maybe to have fun playing in the waves. I love to play in the waves. I don't know if anybody else does, and to jump in the waves and ride them in, so much fun. And, and I notice when I'm out in the water as time goes by that I, I look ashore, and I'm not where I started. Anybody else, right? I'm not where I went into the water. And I notice that I've drifted way down the coastline. And then we've got to figure out, how are we going to get back? Are we going to try to swim back? Are we going to get out of the water? Are we going to walk back? But we've drifted down. And Paul reminds us that we must pay the most careful attention, he says, therefore, to what we have heard so we don't drift away. You see, we can physically drift in our spiritual lives, and we need to pay careful attention. You see, it's easy to drift with the current, but it's difficult to return against the stream. So how are you drifting from the Lord? Be encouraged, God's streams of mercy are still flowing. 
Paul tells us, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. How can we neglect it? Our early church fathers gathered for something called the Council of Nicaea to establish a church doctrine and what we believe as Christians. And it's been our measuring stick for Christian belief for over 1,600 years. Everything we believe about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in this creed. And I want to share it with you this morning to remind us what we are rooted in in our Christian faith. Hear these words and you'll see them up on the screen. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through us through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. God is our Father. Jesus is our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit is our Sustainer. You see, God wants to remind you and I this morning that we have a hope, and that hope is Jesus. Hear these words from Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this, have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from, the guilt, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the midst of life, sirens come. They come, and the lights are flashing. And Paul tells us not to neglect our salvation. So where's a siren going off for you? How are you being called to persevere? And are you paying attention. What are you grounded in these days? What are you grounded in these days? If you're not sure, you will easily drift away. If we were honest, Christianity in the church is challenging these days. 
Some have fallen away from the church for no other reason that they've just drifted away physically. While some of us are here physically, but we've drifted away spiritually. In February 2020, I sensed the Lord speaking to me as I was uh, waking up. I was asleep, yet not quite awake just yet. And it was almost like a, a twilight kind of sleep. And I heard the word Ezra, Ezra. And it was about the Israelites coming out of captivity, and they were coming back to Jerusalem, and they were rebuilding the temple. And I sensed God say he was saying that he was going to rebuild his church. And I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't know what that looked like. No idea. Again, February 2020, and we know what happened March 2020. So we fast forward almost two years later, and what we see is the Lord's church looks much different. And we're trying to figure out what a post-COVID church might look like. You see, God didn't create COVID, yet we are emerging different. We're all emerging different, and so is the church. I have spent a lot of time reflecting what is happening in the United Methodist Church over these past few years. Our denomination embraces the creeds of the early church fathers, yet the United Methodist Church is a bit divided on issues of same-sex marriage and LGBTQ clergy. And suddenly, our solid ground has begun to shake and we're trying to get our, our footing and to figure out for ourselves what we believe. For me personally, I believe that God created us male and female and that we were designed to reproduce and to populate the earth. And that biblical marriage is between one man and one woman. I also believe that Jesus is love. He tells us in Matthew, the two greatest commandments are this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I don't understand what it feels like to be attracted to someone of the same gender or feel like I was born to be a different gender. But what I do know is that you and I are surrounded by such folks who worship with us, who live in our neighborhoods, who are in our workplaces, and who are in our families. And these are people that we love dearly. So how does God want us to treat such individuals when we don't understand and we can't relate. I've had families that have met with me quietly and asked, how do I handle a situation? How do I handle this situation when I've been invited to a close family member's wedding when they love the people but they don't agree theologically with their union? You get what I'm saying? Either maybe two women or two men and they don't agree. You see, I have these situations just like you do in your family. I'm no different. And my advice is that you have to decide whether or not you want to sever that relationship and walk away from it or choose to accept it. For me, I'm not willing to lose someone that I love just because I don't agree with their choice. doesn't mean that we conform to the culture. So a question for us this morning is, how can we live a life that we can hold on to our theology 
and you're allowed to do that, and love and respect another person when you don't agree with them. And this goes for politics, too. This is hard, but sometimes we're called to do hard things. I was out to dinner a couple weeks ago at a, a local family-owned restaurant uh, in town, and we had the nicest server. This young man was just working his tail off. You know, we're all experiencing that when we're out to dinner because they're so understaffed, and he is just, you know, busting it and just fantastic. And so uh, we struck up a conversation uh, with this young man, and I happen to notice, because women notice these things, when he brings out our food and our drinks, he's got the prettiest shade of hot pink nail polish on his nails, and the ring fingers have got silver, right? And so I was just thinking, okay, how do I want to approach this? Because I don't want to ignore the fact this, that this, this young man has got nail polish on. So we strike up a conversation. I said, I just have to tell you I love your nail polish. And so he was telling me all about it, that he loved the pink. And uh, he said it was SNS. I said, oh, my gosh, I do SNS too. And so we struck up just this whole conversation, and it was just, just an absolute hoot. And just such a delightful uh, young man. And I want you to hear these, these next words that I want to share with you. I think that our deepest human need is to be loved and accepted. It is to be loved and accepted. So how can we get better at loving and accepting others in all of our interactions? Uh, a couple of months ago, we had a church service here, and there was a former family uh, that attended here years and years ago, and they were here for a special service that we had on a Sunday morning. And, and so I was talking uh, with the mom, and her daughter was here with her, and, and we were chatting, and, and uh, she says to me, we're trying to find a, uh, a church where it is openly accepting of the LGBTQ community. And so I said to her, I said, you know, I've got some ideas, and we were talking, and I said, I'll be in touch. So we're texting back and forth later that night. And so I gave her some, some churches to check out, and uh, so we kept going back and forth. And she went to one of the churches that I suggested, and it is the perfect fit. And uh, she told me, she said, we have found a church family. And she said, we are so happy. And I said, I am so happy that you found a place. So what does that look like to bridge that gap? That if someone is trying to find that church home, and, and all of us, regardless of what it is, we're trying to find that place where we belong, that we can be a help and not a hindrance to us. So how do we respond to situations that we might be uncomfortable with? Or maybe that are not in alignment with our beliefs. Jesus gives us insight. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of us find ourselves in a season of decisions, of roadblocks, distractions, challenges, heartaches, maybe even spiritual warfare. You can name your season. Even though we're all in fall, you can name the season that you're in. So a question is, how is your spiritual condition? Are you drifting in life or in your faith? Jesus is our lighthouse. Thinking of walking away. You see, Jesus died on the cross to take upon our sin and offers us eternal life and upon his ascension gave us the Holy Spirit who is with us in this moment. And as Paul said, how do we neglect such a salvation? Maybe you're struggling with strongholds. Psalm 23.4 tells us, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're not alone in the struggle. And are you willing to be grounded in your beliefs, yet walk in the tension of the world with a spirit of 
love. You see, God has called us to represent him wherever we go and to whoever we encounter. I uh, heard a great story the other day, and I want to share it with you. It says, my entire pharmacy career has has been within the walls of a grocery store, and sure, it has its perks. I don't need to make an extra stop for groceries after work. I'm already here. Staple items like bread, milk, and eggs are always just feet away. So it blew my mind when a few months ago I reached into my spice cabinet as I was preparing dinner and realized I was out of salt. Don't you hate it when that happens? How does a person who works at a grocery store run out of salt? It happens to everyone. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus tells his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt does three things. It adds flavor, makes you thirsty, and it preserves. So how does this relate to what Jesus said in Matthew 5? As believers, we must add Christ's flavor to whatever environment he places us in. And I'm going to interject, whether that's out to dinner, that's at the grocery store, that's at our kitchen tables, in our family rooms, in church. We must add Christ's flavor to whatever environment he places us in. We are to preserve a Christ-like culture in a morally decaying world. And we, cause others, and, we can, we all, and we can cause others to thirst after the God we have inside of us. Just like salt has no practical use if left in the grocery aisle, our God-given identity as salt is of no use if it doesn't translate into our everyday lives. I pray we never forget this mandate God has given us to be salt and to add his flavor and to preserve a Christ-like culture and to cause others to thirst for him. Oh, that world would crave what we have. So what's your salt level this morning? What is your salt level? Let us pray. God, we come before you. And God, sometimes it's hard to to, to figure out the right things to say and to do. Lord, we never, ever want to offend another person. And Lord, I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in holding so tight to what we believe that we lose sight of seeing each other as human beings. And God, if, if the truth be told, our greatest desire is to be loved and accepted just like everyone else. So Lord, how can we be instruments of your peace to those that we encounter, especially in those times, Lord, when we don't understand? And God, we are reminded that you sit on the throne. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit dwells with us and is with us in this moment and is with us wherever we go. And God, I pray for those of us who might be drifting. We may be here, we may be watching online, but we're drifting. And this is a call to come back. To come back not just to church, just not to Sunday morning, but to a relationship with the Lord. God, we need you. And we're trying to figure things out one step at a time. And God, we're grateful that you are with us through each and every one of those steps.
we come seeking you this morning and we thank you. We found you. God, I pray for the ways that you are speaking to us through this word this morning that you have given. We love you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.